you're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. You know, recently I pulled my Instagram and I was just speaking to coaches, particularly uh, in this example, and I wanted to find out what were the topics, what were the top questions that they had that they wanted answers to. And I took a list of all the possible questions and topics to be addressed. And over the next couple episodes, I'm gonna be diving in and talking about all of these topics that coaches wanted answers to. So this is an episode you definitely don't wanna miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 18 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, Wherever you are around the world, I really appreciate it. And we got a really great episode for you today. So as I mentioned in the intro, I went on Instagram and I took a survey um, I actually reached out to a lot of coaches, and I, I know right now it's kind of tough with, you know, we have the whole COVID situation, gyms are closing back down again, and many parts of the world uh, around the world, they're good to go, and gyms are open, and they're practicing, and there's all these different types of issues and problems that, you know, coaches are facing. So I reached out, and I wanted to know, what were the top topics, what were the top questions that coaches wanted answers to? And I took a list of all of them. I have them all on my phone. And there's a ton of them. There's a ton of topics that I will definitely not get all done in one episode. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, depending on how many episodes it takes me to do them, I'm going to be addressing the top questions in the coaching world right now, at least uh, coaches that have been interacting with me. And some of these questions are phenomenal questions. They're questions I wish I knew when I was a younger coach, and I think you may be uh, interested in knowing about them too. So the, the topics are really cool, and I, I, you know, I love dialing into and talking volleyball, and nothing makes me more happy than helping coaches so that they can in turn help players, and we can grow the game, and we can get clarity. It's all about getting clarity and being more efficient. So we are going to dive in. Uh, for any of my new listeners, listen, thanks so much for tuning into the pod. Um, I mean, we are in episode 18, so there's a little bit to catch up on, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, and if you like what you hear, for anyone returning or new, if you like what you hear, please do me a favor, rate and review the pod. Leave me um, a, a review because I, I read all my reviews and... I can really address what the concerns are and what maybe you're looking forward. Um, what, tell me whether you like it or not. So, you know, I can make sure the pod is, is doing its job. At the end of the day, why did I create this podcast episodes or podcast period was to help educate and really grow the game and just, you know, put information out there that you can find valuable that you can apply in your own gyms. Um, one little side note, actually, I was... I always look at my reviews and I, and I noticed in my reviews lately that I wasn't getting any or people were, weren't, um, yeah, I just wasn't getting any, but my, my downloads are increasing and a lot of people are finding out about the podcast episode. So I was wondering what was going on. So I did a little research on Google and I realized that 
I can't see reviews in other countries. I can only see reviews in Canada for some reason. I don't know what it is about podcasts, but um, like Apple specifically, I can't see reviews unless they're in Canada. That's weird. I mean, I, I'm in Canada. So I had to go and I, I looked it up. So I had to go in and change my location just to see, you know, uh, people reviewing the podcast in the United States and across the world. And and I and I didn't realize, but I'm like, wow, there are so many great reviews. Um, so if you've left a review for me, thank you so much. Um, I got a chance to get caught up on them and I read them all and it, they were great. And the feedback is really useful for me to apply to the upcoming episodes. So that was good. So I'm thankful for that. All right. So anyways, let's get to it. Let's start talking about some of these um some of these problems that coaches are being faced with. Well, the first one, um, and a very common one uh, that I got, was team communication. Communication is always a challenging conversation for coaches. Um, sometimes it just feels like, you know, you, you ever hear that cliche? Oh, come on, guys, you got to talk more. You got to talk more, right? And I shouldn't really call it a cliche, but it's a problem. It's a problem that persists. And you just, what do you, how do you do it? How do you make your team communicate more? So let me tell you why this problem happens. So normally it can happen because of a couple of things. The most common is that the players just don't really know each other that well yet. You know, in some some cases, whether you're playing on a high school team or a club team, most of these players don't see each other outside of school or outside of their friends. It's just at that practice. So they need a lot more time to warm up and get to know each other and and, and really build that relationship. Now, I'm not saying this is true all the time because obviously there's different parts of the world where people that go to school together play on clubs teams and you know do all that stuff and I guarantee you though communication is much better on those teams than in others but nevertheless um, not everyone has that situation right now I know some people just have you know some players could be introverts and they're just not you know comfortable um, communicating and that's okay like it happens I get it so what we have to do as coaches is we have to create situations where they are forced to communicate in order to do well at whatever the activity or uh, situation you chose to do so a very simple tactic is to play warm-up games in which they have to communicate so what I do in my gyms is I give, I'll divide them up into teams, right? So let's say there's 12 players, six on six. And I'll give really, really simple tasks that they have to do as a team. They have to communicate. So here's something simple. So um, we do a series of like mini games and the first team to, I don't know, we'll say three wins just for argument's sake. And the mini games compose of things like, okay, I'll, I'll have them all line up, like each team line up. And I'll be like, First team to arrange yourself in alphabetical order by first name, go. And then they got to communicate. They got to figure out, oh, yeah, A, B, oh, yeah, you're this, you're that, you're that, whatever, da, da, da. And they got to communicate and go. Um, I'll say first team to arrange yourself tallest to shortest, go. And they got to communicate and communicate and go and stuff like that. And then we get more creative with it. And I'll say first team to create the letter E or the capital letter E. And then they have to communicate. And, and so it's not volleyball related, but it enforces them to communicate. And, you, and the more you do this, you'll see the more comfortable your players get in speaking and communicating um, given various things that they have to do. Like volleyball is a series of tasks. If you think about it, the first task is to serve. The second task is to pass and set and hit and so forth. So it's, a, it's still the same ideal. It's just 
it's a lot faster in the game and there's more on the line and you know all that fun stuff but you know that's really what it comes down to it's putting them putting them in situations where they are forced to communicate other things you can do too that are non-volleyball related you know i i love for our warm-ups i love doing non-volleyball warm-ups it's my favorite so we'll play like freeze tag dodgeball and let me tell you something about freeze tag freeze tag is a competitive game competitive my guys my college level guys are drenched in sweat which could be a bad thing because i'm overdoing it but it doesn't it ends up working out for us but they're drenched in sweat they're so competitive and it becomes great because what i do is i'll have like okay i'll have teams i'll have them in teams uh, teams of three for example and then i'll be like okay this team's up and the team that's up they're the ones that are it and they got to tag everyone else so the three players that are ta- that are um running after everyone they have to you know communicate and they got to be do well the everyone all the other players if they get frozen the only way they can get unfrozen is if someone slides under them so a lot of people are you know communicating with people like it's just and it's a lot of fun too um and that's another way that you can get players to communicate um there's one drill i'll share with you um it's called two ball i don't know if i've mentioned on the pod before but what it is is you have six on six six on six volleyball okay but you have two balls in play so one side starts off with a ball and the other side starts off with a ball i actually have this drill on my instagram if you go through my instagram um you'll see this drill it's in there um and i actually got a lot of positive feedback about it and basically what the the objective is is to score both balls on the other side of the court so when the ref blows the whistle or when i blow the whistle as a coach both teams serve at the exact same time and both teams are responsible for getting the ball to land on the opposite side of the court and um, I don't want, without, without getting, I, I'll, I'll tell you, actually, I guess I can get into the rules just a bit. So now you may be wondering, well, if, what if I serve it into the net or what if I hit it out? Well, there's still another ball in play, right? So if you hit the ball out, you serve it into the net, you commit an error with the ball, whatever the case is, if you lose that ball or that point for that ball, the only way you don't lose the entire point for the whole thing is if you go and get that ball and serve it back in play before the other ball hits the ground on your side. Because if the other ball hits the ground on your side and you're still chasing after the ball, you just committed an error, then the other team scored both balls. See what I'm saying? So you can serve two balls go at the same time. The minute one ball drops on the other side of the court or there's an error, you serve it out or whatever the case is, whoever lost that point for that ball, they have to serve it back in play before the other team scores the other ball. And that's how two ball works. Now, the real cool thing about two ball is that communication is super important. It's key. You can't be successful because you got two balls going. You have to communicate. You got to strategize. You got to, you know, do all that. So communication is extremely important. And these are simple tactics that you can use to get your players to talk more. And on top of it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, okay? And they'll and they'll start communicating faster than you can you can believe, trust me. All right? So that's team communication. Let's let's uh, that was a big topic. So topic number 2 or question number 2 was having players stay focused through the entire game. Now actually the coach that asked me this um was in a position where they were winning like how do you keep a team that's winning that's up a lot focused 
right? Because they're 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 up by whatever eight points, ten points, and you know, in volleyball, that's such a huge margin that it's almost I don't want to say guaranteed, but it's very unlikely that they're going to lose that set. Well, how do you keep them motivated for the entire game when they're beating a team that badly? So what I do. Um, anytime I've been fortunate enough to have teams that are, you know, really beating another team uh, badly, what I do is I focus on mini goals, like on on the uh, I focus on small tasks. So let's say, for example, like I, everyone knows my I have a very high standard for passing, um, as I'm sure many coaches do. And passing is you know, one of the most important skills of the game. You can't run anything unless you pass the ball. So I hold my my athletes to high standards. I want to pass a 2.5 or better as a team. Not just as an individual, but as a team, our our passing, I want to see my coach come back and tell me it was 2.5. And if it's not, we have a problem. So what I first do is, let's say, you know, we're, we're beating out a team really badly. The set's over. We go into the into the huddle. Now, the key is, is that these guys are probably thinking, oh, we're just going to cruise through that second set and it's, everything's going to be fine. So what I do is, I do I'll acknowledge the win and say, great job, keep it up, but I also let them know that they didn't play to their best. Like I let them know that we still have work to do. And I'll give them facts. So I'll say, for example, we, we passed at 2.1. Now, guys, you know that the expectation is we pass at 2.5. So go out there this game and let's make sure we pass at 2.5. So what I did there was I refocused the fact that we won the game to we need to perform better regardless of what the score was we need to perform better because our team has that expectation to pass a 2.5 or better so now it doesn't it doesn't anything have to do with the other team it has to deal with our team our internal goals our internal standards and that's a standard it's a 2.5 and when they hear that they're like oh wow we didn't pass a 2.5 okay so now they're going back out there and they're trying to really focus and dialing on their pass and what you're going to find is because i set a mini goal the overall objective of the match will still be in play in terms of winning. They're not going to let up. They're going to still be dialed in because now they have an actual small, tangible focus in addition to the larger scale of winning a volleyball match. And that's that's key to keep them focused. So when, when you cross over and you have, you're starting another set, um, you got to make sure that, that that's the case. Now, let's do the counter. The counter is what if you're losing by a, a, a large margin and you know it it just doesn't work out for you well you can't afford to have your players lose motivation so what i would do and what i do as a coach is i utilize my timeouts and i focus on the small things so you know i'll focus on well wh- why are we losing that's the big ed. why are we losing and it could be because of serve receive well i'll talk strategy okay guys we know how to pass. We worked on that. Well, next time that person goes up to serve, I want you to move up. I want you to move back. I want you to, you know, I want you to beat, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever I have to tell them in that moment. And it's going to be specific to the player. Like I'll say, listen, we know that player has that hard spinner to the right. Let's step over and take it off early. And I'll say something they probably already know, but they just need, need, like they need me to reiterate that, which I have no problem doing. Um, and then it'll just trigger that in their head and then they'll go do it. Right. That's, that's great. It works. I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to obviously all of a sudden pass really well, but it's focusing on the mini goals, the mini goals that can reshift our entire focus and our entire play to have a better outcome. All right. So that's one thing that uh, I definitely think is important. Now, I do want to add um, another point to this kind of, it kind of ties in with this. And, and this is another topic that 
we've coaches have been talking about is the ideal of um I don't want to say calling timeouts, but your approach to a game. And I'm actually going to have an a, 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 a Instagram episode, whoa, well, an episode, an Instagram post um, talking about this. But coaches listening to this, I don't want you to fall into the trap that I've seen coaches fall into where they don't coach the entire match. Now, I'm, this, I don't want to make it seem like I'm calling any coaches out. But I want you to ask yourself or ask yourself if you've seen this where a coach knows that they're going to lose or knows they're playing against a higher seed that's way better than them and they don't coach the entire match because they've already made that decision that the other team is better than them. Or if a team goes up on an 8-0 run, they all of a sudden change their coaching outlook and already have taken the loss and you can tell that they're doing that. And here's how you can tell. And I've seen it. I've seen it over and over again. And it, it hurts me so bad to see coaches do this. But I've seen where, you know, a, a last place seed team versus a, a first place seed team or eighth versus one or whatever the case is. And the eighth seed team coaches, I, I know the coaches believe they're, they're going to lose especially if that's the number number one team out there in the league. I know coaches think they're going to lose. And the worst thing you can do is let your players believe and know that you think this. You shouldn't even think it in the first place, to be honest. But what you do or what you don't want to do is go through the entire set without calling a timeout. And you may think this is crazy, but I've seen coaches... Not one, multiple coaches go an entire set losing because they know that team is better than them without calling a timeout or letting that team go on an 8-0 run or 5-0 run or 6-0 run without calling a timeout because, I don't know, either they want the players to figure it out themselves or they just realize, yeah, this this isn't going to work out. And it is unreal. You can't do that. You can't go an entire set without calling a timeout because you think the other team is better than you or whatever your reason is. Because now you're telling your players that it's okay to lose. It's okay to to not put in 100% every single time you step on the floor for every point because you're not doing it. Here's another example for you. How often do you see where another team goes on a 6-0 run or, or maybe they went on a 4-0 run, you call a timeout, you went back out there, and the other team continued to score you know, another two or three points in a row, making it a 6-7-0 or 7-0 run. And then what did the coach do? They sit down. If they were, let's say they were standing up so far the entire match, and all of a sudden they realize that they lost, and they sit down and just stop, because they've already lost. So now, here's what you're doing. You expect your players to stay on the court and continue pushing and trying to play at a high level regardless of what the score is or what run they've gone on. You expect your players to go and play to their full potential and put in 100%. Yet you just went from being on the sideline to sitting on the bench and not being engaged in the game or maybe just being slightly engaged. That doesn't send a good message. Not only does that not send a good message, but it just creates extremely bad work ethic, bad culture. It's a it's a killer for culture because you're going to lose the trust of your players if you do that. Now, if you're a coach, and I'm a coach where I, I sometimes stand, I sometimes sit, but 
Even if I'm sitting down, I'm still in the game. And my players know I'm in the game. They can see me focused. They can see me dialed in. They can see me communicating. They can see me look, talking to my assistant coaches about what's going on. They can see that. So they know I'm in the game. Listen, whether you think you need to have your players believe you're in the, you're in the game or not, you you better realize that you do. <laughs> like you, your players need to believe that you're with you're there alongside with them. Um, funny story. So I had a I had a parent when I used to coach club. He was a police officer. He was actually a detective, I believe, and he he's really good. Like he was trained on reading people and negotiation and understanding personalities and all this great stuff. So what he did was he actually asked me if he could do this. I said absolutely. He assessed me during a game. Um, and he assessed me with a simple purpose. And I'll, I'll tell you what the results was that was. Basically, he wanted to figure out, you know, how the players reacted, how the players um, performed based on my behavior, my decision making, you know, all those kinds of things. And he found that when I stand up on the sideline and I'm engaged in the game with the players, their performance was so much better than when it was when I was sitting down. And he, 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 he noticed that for every single match. Their performance was way better when I was up and in the game with them. And when I sat down, it wasn't. Now, back then at the club level, that was absolutely true. And it changed. I, I never sat down anymore because of that. Because I was in the game with them. And it was, it was incredible. Just something simple like that improved the performance of our team. Now, for my college team, I do a bit of both. I stand up and sit down. And now that I'm aware of this behavior and aware of the difference between standing up and sitting down, uh, it, it changes my perspective a bit. But um, whether I stand or sit, the boy, like I, I, I guess I true. Yeah, I guess it's true that they do perform a little better when I'm standing. I guess I'm in the game with them and I'm really active with them. But I do have a belief that it shouldn't. You shouldn't have to. You should be able to sit down, and still be in the game, and your team should be able to perform because that's what you've practiced. So I, it's kind of a catch twenty two for me. Um, I get. I get the benefit of standing up. So if you can stand up, I do recommend doing it because your players, from the research, and I guess I shouldn't call it research, just based on my my experience with it, they perform better, okay? So that's my little, I guess I, I don't want to call it a tip number three or topic number three, but it's really important that you coach the entire game, coaches. The, the, no matter, I don't care if it's 24 to two, you're coaching that those last you're you're coaching them to get back in that game or whatever the case you're coaching all right okay we're gonna start, we're gonna finish off with one more uh which we'll cover four and the this one deals with you know how can we make better decisions in scrambled situations so we've got scrambled balls you know a free ball situation whatever the case is how or the ball is just a bad set and whatever how do we put the ball over how can we make the best decisions in scrambled situations. So my answer to this is simple. Do your players understand when they put the ball over the net, they have to do it with intention and purpose. Everything has to be done on purpose with intent. You can't just put it over the net for the sake of putting over the net unless that is your last option and you have no other choice. If you have no other choice, then fine. You have no choice, fine. But if you have a choice, there's a couple little things we can do. Like the big, the easiest one, the most common one, I'm sure many of you know this, is that if you're free balling, where do you want to free ball the ball to? You want to free ball the ball 
in air in position one or position two area that side in hopes of taking the setter out if the setter has to take the first ball that's great it could lead to either an out of system ball or someone who is not their predominant setter setting that's great that puts us in a better position to play defense also do your hitters know how to like what is the purpose of hitting the ball rather swinging with a purpose so i always talk about hitting with a purpose right if we're in a scrambled situation and the ball gets popped up and we don't understand how to hit with a purpose we may have a problem because we want to make sure that we're looking at the block we're looking at if there's seams in the block and hitting those seams we're not just trying to look have the ball get popped up and just pound it over the net with no purpose no intention that's how we lead to hitting errors Okay, so you know, I'll, I'm going to leave you with those two things when it comes to decision making in scrambled situations. You know, taking the setter out is the most common one. So the players know when we're putting the ball over the net, we're putting it over with purpose and intent. When we're hitting on, on the pins or middle, or whatever, we are hitting with purpose and intent. There should never be a situation where a player hits the ball and didn't know why they hit that ball like that. Unless, again, like I said, it's. Actually, no way. No matter what, no, no, no. Sorry. If you have the opportunity to hit the ball, regardless of how how bad it must be, you have the opportunity to hit with intent and purpose. If it's a ball that you're chasing and you're just trying to get over the net, fine. That's because that's more of saving the ball than doing something with the ball because the ball's in play. So they should know why they made that shot and things like. Well, because the block was 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 cheating, there was a seam. They, they, he was coming down on the block. It was a sealed block, so I went high. So I went high hands. Like you know, like these are the things they have to be thinking about. Okay. So the four things we talked about today, just to recap, we talked about team communication. We talked about having players stay focused through the entire game. We talked about coaches coaching the entire match. Really important there. And then we talked about decision making in a scrambled situation. A lot of great topics. Uh, it's only four. Oh boy, I have a ton of more. So we may, we may this may be a three-part or even four-part um, series, I guess, if you want to call it, because we got a ton of more topics to go over. But this, these are four that will get you started and get you kind of going. Um, I hope that you can take some of the stuff we talked about it and apply in your gym right away and see results from it. Because at the end of the day, what's important to me is you coaches getting results because the more results you get, the more impact you can make and the more we get to grow the game and players get to experience great things. And I, I talked about it in my other in my previous episodes. That is the greatest part of coaching is creating that impact, you know, creating that experience for your players. So hopefully this gets you in the right direction to do that. All right, that's it for me. Listen, if you liked what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. I really appreciate it. And listen, um, I've actually uh, been doing a lot of work lately uh, with with coaches and inside DVA. I'm always doing work inside DVA. But if you're interested in, you know, if you're a coach, um, I actually I, I did a training today uh, with my DVA members on uh, a season overview, so how to plan for your season and really how to dial into what's important and what to focus on when during the season and stuff like that. It was a pretty good training, and uh, a lot of coaches had a lot of questions. But if you're a coach, and you really want to take your game to the next level. You you want to you know you're you're not you're not in it just for the wins. Like wins are important, but you're in it to learn to become more efficient. 
You're in it to gain skills and teach players skills that will not only help them in volleyball, but help them in life as a person to build that experience, to build those great habits. You know, if that's the kind of coach you're interested in, I uh, sorry, you are, and you're really here for the deeper purpose, I, I really think that you should um, sign up for the waitlist for Digital Volleyball Academy because you're my people. And my people are in DVA and as my coaches are, that I'm working with and they're fantastic. Like they're all about the game. They're all about the developmental uh, aspect of the kids. They're all about, you know, creating an opportunity to teach life lessons to the kids. And in addition to winning volleyball games, right? And all about being more efficient. And it's funny, being more efficient in volleyball, I can't tell you how much, how, much, how much it's benefited my life in general. Like I'm more efficient in my work. I'm more efficient in in my workouts and everything and every part of my life, I'm more efficient because of the tools that I've been able to learn over the years of coaching. And I love being able to share that with my coaches inside DVA. So if you're a coach and you think you can benefit from learning from myself and my coaches and, and our DVA community, sign up for the waitlist. Go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Okay. Digitalvolleyballacademy.com and sign up for the waitlist. And as soon as doors open, I'll let you know. And you'll get first dibs at coming in and joining a great group of coaches. Uh, and where we talk, we get to talk volleyball. It's great. I do a lot of live training in there. And um, I, we get to look at video together. Like it's, it's a really cool experience. And I think it will benefit. Like most of the coaches that I spoke to um, that reached out to me for these topics, uh, a great, great conversation I had with them. And, and they're the right people. They're the people that want to make an impact in this world, make an impact on the, on, on the kids that they coach. And that's, that's what I'm all about. So I, I hope, um, if you're like that, you're my people. And I hope we can work together and really take your, your coaching to the next level. All right. So go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com, sign up for the waitlist. Uh, and I think it should definitely help you. Okay. That's it for me. Take care, everyone. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk. See ya. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.